Welcome to Multiverse OQ, your guide to the comic book multiverse, now in podcast form. I'm Luke, and this week as we snicked our way through Marvel Noir, where we're covering Wolverine Noir, I am joined by our special guest. Please introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Sam. Sam Freund. Hello. (laughs) I kind of forgot if I was going to say my last name or not, but I went with it. Those who are unfamiliar with Sam from being a very, very good Twitter person to follow may also remember Sam from the Jean Grey flashback annual episode that that I got way too involved with the Beast's uh, backstory in this alternate take. Well, in one of the upcoming episodes, we actually had a person suggest a Beast noir story where it's like, Hank McCoy as a noir detective, which would be very good. Oh, yeah. I really like uh, the detective fuck where he's just like, you know, that that beast style, like jovial, intellectual, less so Sherlock brooding type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like Beast doesn't like being rude to others the way a Sherlock Holmes might. Yeah. Beast is a good boy. God bless him. I, I keep saying good boy so often and I, it's it's equally <laughs> I think I'm going to blame James Lee's who would probably blame the McElroy's. Yeah, it's I think it's just a podcast sickness. Yeah, I got the podcast cholera. <laughs> Pol- uh, podcast like, consumption. Yeah, I was trying to like portman to those together. Podsumption. I, it's better than consumcast because that sounds. Uh, wait, I, I got it. Toddlera. Toddlera. I can deal with that. That kind of sounds like Toddlera, and that's sad. Cholera. For to- <laughs> I like that one. No, Toddlera is the disease where if you don't cure it, you turn back into a toddler. <laughs> and then you die of cholera. Yeah. It's still, that's still tragic. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's some people's fetish. Oh, is this what Benjamin Button is? Or is that what Merlin is? What weird Merlin story? Okay, no, because Merlin experiences time backwards. He's becoming. Okay, like it doesn't look that way to us. But when Merlin dies, he turns into a baby. And maybe that baby has cholera. Sorry, the last, like, Merlin stuff that I read was, like, a bunch of DC the Demon comics, which are crazy, and also, like, a bunch of Marvel stuff involving the Captain Britain Corps. So, it's... It, it's weird. Uh, last Merlin stuff I read was the Arthurian Smut Cycle, which is an excellent webcomic that people should read, but just a little free plug there. Well, we are all about free plugs. But yeah, uh, probably less horny than the Marvel. <laughs> but probably not as horny as the DC one where, like, Etrigan the Demon is his brother? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is different than the DC one where, or different from the DC animated universe where Merlin was just a jerk because, Et- because Jason Blood got horny. I... Jason Blood just should stop getting horny. Mm-hmm. Because it's either going to get used against him by his enemies or by the demon, who you could technically consider an enemy. 
Yeah, I wouldn't ever characterize him as an ally at the very least. Mm-hmm. Dirtbag roommate. I think that's appropriate. Hey, Etrigan, why did you eat all of my cheese puffs and also my girlfriend's liver? You didn't eat all the cheese puffs. You used them in a ritual where you created another child. Ha! <laughs> oh, <laughs> See, what's worse, when Jason Blood is horny or when Etrigan is horny? Ooh, uh, I think Etrigan being horny is worse because <laughs> he'll he'll create monsters that demolish all of reality if they aren't killed. Yeah, yeah. Et- Etrigan being horny is worse for all of us, but I think Jason Blood being horny is really, really bad for Jason Blood. Mm-hmm. Why haven't they made a Jason Blood detective TV show yet? Uh, um, hmm. I'd try it, but I don't know. I would rather be watching a The Demon detective show. Well, no, no. The Demon's going to show up, and it's this whole, like, unlikely balance. It's like Supernatural, except only one of the brothers is on at the same time. <laughs> a little death notey. And also The Demon is horny at main. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to us discussing Wolverine Noir. A four-issue oh, miniseries no, set on a... We could probably <laughs> keep going with horny Etrigan detective procedural if, if people wanted. Uh, let's hear it, studio audience. No, they're not going... Okay, we're going to go with Wolverine. <laughs> the next time you invite me to something, I'm going to have a soundboard and you're going to be mad. Well, Devin always critiques me because he found out that the version of power that I took that from was a censored version <laughs> that I bought in the year 2017. <laughs> and I'm an adult. <laughs> you just really don't want to hear him say fuck SNL and the whole cast. That's it. Because you think, because <laughs> while you agree with like the majority of the sentiment, like there's a couple folks that use like, hey, come on. Keenan's good. Keenan's the longest running. I'm not going to say fuck Keenan. I was in Boy Scouts with Luke Knoll, the new cast member. You're shitting me. No. Wow. There is a reason why he came on the game where we played Everyone is Legion and then proceeded to steer the game in increasingly horny directions. <laughs> Like, if you thought that uh, the X-Men First Class series of Marvel movies had uh, Xavier and Magneto horny for each other, this is horny on main. I'm going to keep using that phrase for some reason. It's it's the phrase of the times. Mm-hmm. If, if ever there was a time to be horny on main to just get it out of your system, it's now. Now, horny on main would also be a great title. For a musical about Etrigan set in New York where he's a detective. <laughs> and they do it half Hamilton, half normal musical. Where Etrigan's the only one who's rapping. Because if you're saying Hamilton, you're saying rapping, yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no. Etrigan just rapping in the middle of like a a 42nd Street big band musical yeah um yeah Mm -hmm. having him going up against some sondheim types (laughs) choreographed dance fighting 
when this month is over, I'm going to have so many calls by major publishers and distributors and the NSA. Yeah, and I think all of them are just going to be strongly worded, please stop. Like, not a, no threat of anything, even from the NSA, just, hey, if, if you could, like, just dial it down a little bit. Thank you. Thanks. Because I'm killing too much, right? Because <laughs> you're just too good at it. Thank you. Thank you. We, we can't get enough, and it's it's getting in the way of our jobs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wolverine <laughs> Noir. Uh, Wolverine Noir is a four-issue miniseries set on Earth of 90214, written by Stuart Moore, with art by C.P. Smith, colors by Rain Barreto, and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. Uh, I have a image gallery that will be up on the website so you can see some of these images. So you start off with Jim Logan, who is a private detective in Chinatown working with a dog whom he feels obligated to for some reason, even though he mainly views dog as a nuisance. I really like how they set up that dynamic quickly and how mm -hmm. uncomfortable I was with it. And we'll get into this more later, but like the dynamics of out of all of these characters were pretty uncomfortable across the board. I'd agree with that. One day, Mariko Yashida comes in to hire him. She's been followed for several days by men from a hotel. She gives them her number, the name of the hotel and $1,000 in cash. And as she leaves, Dog goes to look into the hotel because Jim can't really be bothered. And we get a flashback to Jim, who was raised by a preacher, while Dog was the son of his maintenance man. And Jim and Dog were both mutually attracted to Rose, one of their neighbors. And so all three of the, the that trifecta of Jim and Dog and Rose, those are all in origin, right? I know Dog was because he comes back in really weird ways, like in Wolverine the X-Men. Yes, that's the my only exposure to Dog, like as a wannabe Wolverine time-traveling mountain man. Mm-hmm. And uh, him showing up at the end of Wolverine and uh, Spider or Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, because that's where he ended up coming back in time from. Oh, uh, yes, there was a Rose and Wolverine, the origin. Okay, okay. So it was it was kind of weird going from like this brotherly relationship, not brotherly, but what you see in Wolverine, the X-Men, which is my only exposure to him. And he's got this like deep antipathy and but like also a complex where he wants to be like him, but better. And now here you have Dog, mm -hmm. who's just this. Uh, beaten down yeah who really wants to sniff panties and feet that was an interesting trait to hammer home in the first issue yeah so dog gets to the puritan hotel that is owned by someone named creed and he immediately makes an ass of himself and we flash back again to jim training with smitty his father's gardener who taught him to fight with knives in the japanese style <laughs> I just it's like oh yeah this is uh my groundskeeper who fought in the great war which means he has all these japanese knives like and well no, no he went 
he went and toured because he's an otaku. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I like that across the multiverse, it is common that Wolverine has a gets introduced to at the very least Japanese fetishism. One way or another. So while they trained, Dog went in to try and steal one of Smitty's knives. And Smitty basically took a sword to him and told him off and then gave him a pocket knife saying that's all he would ever be worth. And uh, in the present, Logan went to the Puritan looking for Dog after he went missing for about a day, had to fight some men who were trained to fight with knives. And when he finally reaches the room where Dog was supposed to be, he found Dog's pocket knife covered in blood, and Jim feels really awful because as much as he hates Dog, he feels like he owes him for unknown reasons. I, I do like a lot of this comic. Like, I think even though the art is heavily photo referenced, mm-hmm. except for some of the flashback scenes, it doesn't feel like it. And it has, like, a texture and a feeling and a setting to everything. Yeah, it feels really dirty like it looks like there's a layer of grit on everything but not in a gratuitous sort of sense it just looks like that's how they live and yeah as much yeah. as some of these dynamics were uncomfortable or portrayals were uncomfortable it's like pretty decent character hooks for what is a fairly standard noir story like both in this what we've discussed so far and what we'll get into yeah, I think this and like Luke Cage Noir are the only ones that I've read that actually are like classic noir stories that like fit the noir genre. I think the rest of them are more of pulps more than anything. Yeah, I I kind of got that. I, I looked at a few of the other ones, maybe read a, a Wikipedia summary of two or two. And some of them just seem like they're using noir as uh, aesthetic Less so than mm-hmm. uh, a gen- genre type treatment. Yeah. So he heads out to look for Dog some more and gets pulled into a building by Yuriko Oyama, who assumed that Jim worked for Creed. He inherently trusts her because he's sexually attracted to her, <laughs> and she tells him to leave after they make out of it. Just a little bit, and and, and like mm-hmm. this, like. They'll be watching, so this will throw them off your trail. We're just two lovers, aren't we? And (laughs) just Wolverine falling into horny situations, which, as we learn in the story, is not good for people around him. No. What if they did like a Wolverine, uh, like harem manga situation? Uh, Wolverine's harem is... Absolutely, Jean Grey, uh, <laughs> Madeline Pryor for one of Madeline reason. Pryor is there too. <laughs> uh, Mariko, Yuriko, uh, oh, just quick question: Yuriko mm-hmm. is that Deathstrike? No, that's Yukio. Yukio. Yuriko is the one who normally is also Storm's special Japan friend. Oh, okay, yeah, because I knew she like wasn't Wolverine's Japan friend. That's Mariko, like six one six Japan friend. Yeah, Mariko was the one who he almost married, 
Yuriko was the woman who was hired to protect Mariko and also uh, had oh, fun okay. adventures with Mohawk Storm. There it is. And yeah, Yukio is the one who Wolverine killed her father and she became Lady Deathstroke. Okay, okay. But yeah, she tells him to leave. He refuses and then he runs out. And we get another flashback scene of Jim and Dog. Dog sucker punches Logan for making him look like a fool in front of Rose. And it descends into a fist fight until Jim pulls out a blade and Smitty breaks him apart. Basically saying that he is highly disappointed in Jim for pulling a blade. And then Jim's father shows up, finds the knife and fires Smitty and belts Jim for acting like an animal. Because there's a whole bunch of churchy guilt stuff in here. Yeah, which was, I mean, it's pretty classically x-men to have guilty church stuff it felt super on like i get if you want to be on the nose there's no one better to do it for you than a preacher but Mm -hmm. you know yelling about the animal nature and man and how you have to rise above it and this super like fire and brimstone way in this wolverine comic that was maybe i'd I felt like that was overkill. Yeah, but I mean, pulp a lot of the times can be a bit overkill, or maybe I'm just highly desensitized after reading all these pulp or all these noir comics. No, I mean, far be it for me to tell pulp to calm its shit down. That's not going to happen. But I don't know, as opposed to some other over the top moments, especially the over the top bleak moments that we get. I don't know. The preacher stuff kind of stood out to me. Well, where do you feel about, like, common people? Like, I mean, do you think the song is a bit more over the top? Because, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think they need to necessarily calm their shit down there. Okay, that took me a second. My new new wave isn't as strong as it used to be. Got it. <laughs> I... It's Britpop. Oh, oh boy. Oh, man. I'm going to get ats. I'm going to get ats. So back in the present, Mariko calls and he demands to know what she knows about what's happened to Dog. And she sets a plan for them to meet at midnight. Shortly after, he ends up finding Dog's notebook. And all that's written in it is Creed. Which I guess he was really happy with that movie when it came out. Yeah, you know, I Dog had been following the series for a while and always stuck with it, but felt like they needed a new start. Also, that and uh, that shot was like out of a horror movie. Like, oh no, he's just been writing Creed, but like wasn't delivered that way in in, mm-hmm. in the style. I was like, oh look, I'm surprised he can even write words. <laughs> What if he opened it up and it was like, I'm going to kill Jim. It's like, oh, look, Doug learned how to write. That's great. He's on the road to recovery. I've never forgiven him for what he did to me that has not yet been discussed on this podcast. The wrong kid died. <laughs> Just but written over and over again. <laughs> In different fonts. <laughs> he opens it up. He opens it up. Why don't you put the world in a bottle, Superman? 
<laughs> uh, no, no, but yeah, he <laughs> uh, he ends up making his way to a boxing ring where he ends up finding Creed, who is this version's version of Sabretooth, if you are unfamiliar with who Creed is. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't wasn't a twist. Like I, like as soon as they drop the name, you know that he's gonna figure into it. You just wonder how much. Mm-hmm. And he is well. It's not the band. Well, no, you'd hope not. No. Also, this Creed was kind of hot. I was. This Wolverine was not hot, in my opinion. This is just in my IMO, but like, mm-hmm. this Creed was solid. He's he's a good brutal murder dad. <laughs> Everyone needs one. Mm-hmm. And if Wolverine, if a gem in this universe isn't fitting that bill, then you go to the next best thing. Yeah, the tall, the the thicker one. One's got a little more. Yeah. Okay. Wait. <laughs> that was one thing that did bother me about this Wolverine, and maybe why I didn't enjoy him as much was they did have him as like shorter and slight, which is good, but like he w- was skinny, and that seemed really odd for Wolverine. Well, there's a reason. There's only so much Wolverine that you can put into the universe. <laughs> and either one of them needs to die, like the main one, uh, who had to die so that way we could get uh, X-23 to become a big one. But the problem is in the 90214 universe, there's this Wolverine, who is Jim, but then there's also Captain Logan in the X-Men Noir universe. So they had to split that mass between the two Wolverines. I, I wondered if this factored into X-Men Noir at all, because there's sure no sign of anything related to anyone like that. It's This is a Wolverine story. Yeah, no, there's like no connection between any of the stories, which is ridiculous because they're all except for iron man which i have not read at this time uh they're all set in new york city and they're all set around the 1930s but they're all set in different parts of new york city which is a nice twist oh yeah that was because this is all the bowery the yeah in chinatown and it like luke cage is in harlem as one where where is x-men noir uh it's sort of like queens in the bronx so you get a little bigger a little bigger slice of that manhattan pie that that island Mm -hmm. pie daredevil's in hell's kitchen spider-man's in manhattan god is in his kingdom punishers oh yeah there's punisher yeah (laughs) i thought that was the last one nope punisher hi hi frank yeah well an iron man goes all around the world because it's really pulp as opposed to noir See, why didn't cuz there was there was Deadpool pulp that came out afterwards and was written by the guys who did Luke Cage noir. The, but the why why not just call the other I don't I'm I'm a better publisher than major publishers is the thing. I haven't done it, but I think I'd be better at it. Uh I'm the guy who published uh Jesus or John versus Jesus, Don of Christ. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm also pretty dang good at this. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Jim ends up making his way into a boxing ring where he finds Creed. Logan really doesn't care about the crimes that Creed is like involved with. He just wants Dog back. 
Creed beats the heck out of him and drags him into the street next to Yuriko, promising that he's not done with Jim yet. And when Jim comes to, Yuriko has been killed. Sorry, female characters. Yeah, the other way that this is a bog-standard noir story is that there is a high lady body count at the end. Especially, uh, I mean, again, we'll get to it, but ain't done yet, folks. Yep. So we flash back again and find out that Smitty fell apart after he was fired. And then he died shortly after because he got sick. And Jim, meanwhile, began to fear that he was an animal and a beast of violence until he decided not to be and decided to also tell Rose that he loved her. Yeah. And it's like, oh, how is that going to be? Yeah, and there was there was like that preaching scene where he's confronting the animal feelings and they very quickly, like the next panel, become horny feelings, which <laughs> I, I get that any version of Wolverine is not going to have the healthiest mindset around. But boy, oh boy, you got you to gotta partition those. In the present, Jim and Mariko meet and he basically barks at her to find out what she was up to. And she explains how she had been an optimist hoping for a better Japan, but then the world turned and left her here. And now she's stuck working for her father. She says that Creed is a puppet, not the person pulling the strings, but before she gets to say more, she wants to know more about Jim. I was trying to remember the, it seemed like there was a little research done to what was going on in, in Japan in the 1930s as well. And like, that that does factor into the overall plot, but there was not yeah. majorly. But uh, the she, she called her generation something in the as she was talking about her backstory in that one panel that we got. Ah. Yeah, where it's like we were all dressed in different clothes. We had hopes for the future, and then the economy collapsed. Yeah. And uh, that was at least some nice set dressing, you know, this it's yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a historical event that isn't really connected to any characters like Punisher Noir brings in uh, Dutch Schultz, who was an actual gangster. And if you were unfamiliar with that, it's just like, who's this weird Punisher character <laughs> who I've never heard of. Let's see, who's he supposed to be? Yeah, I just gave up and was like, yeah, it's probably someone obscure. And then it's like, oh, no, this is an actual person. He was a Jewish gangster. That's the my favorite kind. My favorite kind of ultra-violent criminal is the one from the same ethnic background as me. <laughs> but also Punisher is half Jewish in that story. So. Oh, yeah, you told me that. I, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, it's... it's Despite the transphobia it's, you want me of. Oh, sorry. It's Yeah, yeah. You'll be getting to that story in our coverage in like a week or two. It's uh it's a good episode. We recorded that one before this one because I decided to come up with the order for the stories and then recording order after that. <laughs> it makes no sense. And I've been making sure to say what episode is coming next, which is even better. <laughs> So Rose had agreed to meet Jim in the greenhouse. He was ready to propose to her, which is like, whoa, yeah. buddy. 
And then when he got there, she was uh, necking with Dog because she was more attracted to him. And in retaliation, he pulls out his weapons, enters into a more or less violent fugue state. And when he wakes up, he's covered in blood and Dog is terrified of him. And also Rose is gone. I was just gonna, so like learning that he's the one that mentally scarred Dog to the point that he's at. Although I'm sure he was still a panty foot sniffing little motherfuck when he was living out of the shed, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, decides to run away and he takes Dog with him and he's taken care of him ever since because Dog never really recovered. Mariko asks him to leave Dog and her behind and remarks that, uh, and Jim remarks that Yuriko had asked him to do the same thing. He asks her, like, what she's hiding. And she says that they're the ones hunting you. You're not hunting them. Just very noir twist. The, the detective, what he's caught up in was meant for him the whole time type thing. And then he gets up and suddenly collapses as Creed returns to pick him up. He wakes back up in the Puritan with Creed and his men, and he explains that he killed Yuriko for not doing her job. Jim tries to escape, but gets beaten down again, and he's brought next to Mariko, and we find out that Rose is the one who is behind this, because she has some big old scars on her face because she got cut as well. She currently has Dog tied to the train tracks and explains how Dog pushed her in the way when Jim had started to attack to save himself. And Jim never really thought of her after the accident. She was forced to become an outcast, met up with Creed, and ended up starting their uh, drug empire with her inheritance Which money. that's quite a, a, a trajectory. Just jump right into criminal enterprise. I get that there's not a lot of opportunities for her in a lot of ways both in the era and what with her sick ass looking scars but yeah also Mm -hmm. now i'm a criminal kingpin you know just so many years later ladies ladies doing it for themselves ladies doing it for revenge lady godiva was a freedom rider Rose was a drug kingpin, and then came Maud. So, Jim realizes that this has all been personal and asks her to let Mariko free. But she decides not to. The train comes and runs through Dog, and Rose kills Mariko. Creed gets angry over Mariko being killed because... They've basically lost their main contact and point of control, but Rose wanted revenge. Jim is able to steal the sword and starts attacking, and Creed just runs off, leaving Rose yeah. at Jim's mercy. Creed's like, oh, this wasn't part of the plan. Now I'm, now I'm mixed up in something that could last into another book, maybe. And she asks him to leave and just to come home, and he stabs her, killing her, and then he returns home haunted by everything that he has lost. Yeah. And like the moment he kills her was this very, like it rang true to a Wolverine story where like first he's in a blind rage and he stops himself and he thinks about it and then goes on to kill her because that's what Wolverine does. He does killing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's uh, 
that's a high that's that was quite a body count that I wasn't expecting in the story somehow. I mean, I know it's noir, but sheesh. It is not a happy ending for anybody. Except for Creed. Yeah, his his burgeoning Japanese connection through Mariko just got destroyed and he'll have to answer for that, but he's still Yeah. But he's, he's got a hotel and a boxing career. And extremely handsome. I really wanna come back to that. I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't put my finger on it, but like Jim looked like a stretched out, maybe Ed Edward Norton as I mean, I didn't get any, I couldn't pick out a reference for Creed, but at least it was someone who looked like I would kiss. I would not kiss stretched out <laughs> Edward Norton. If he knocked on this door right now, turn him around. Turn around, Edward Norton. <sighs> so that is Wolverine Noir. I I really enjoyed it. And I think it's a, a decent noir story. Yeah, I was really kind of bracing myself because right when I was uh, getting ready to read it, you started reading uh, X-Men Noir. And uh, you posted about it on Twitter and that it looked rough goings on that. Yeah. I went from reading X-Men Noir with that art to Wolverine Noir and is like, oh, OK, so this is how you can do photo reference art without it being. Yeah. Awful. And I would. Yeah, it, it was a good noir story is a good Wolverine story that demonstrated uh, working knowledge of both. Like, it it really fit mm-hmm. into established Wolverine themes while playing around in that backstory play playground that I was not familiar with. Both like the the Japanese uh, elements of it and the the origin elements of it. Like I, it's a blind spot for me in Wolverine knowledge. I like it when he's around kids and he's got s- some teens. That's my flavor of Wolverine. I really liked that entire run of uh, like Wolverine stories that uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the writer. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Jason yeah, yeah. Aaron I, did. I never. Because it's a it's a wide range of Wolverine because it starts off with like the very dark and gritty stuff in the Wolverine series where it's like, oh, these people are hunting him down and they have laser claws. Yeah, I remember seeing I never read that because that was. I think that was like labeled origin. That was like an ongoing type thing. But then, yeah, it was the very next thing. Wolverine and the X-Men for Aaron. And uh, there was astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine and then Wolverine and the X-Men. Got it. Okay. So that's where dog. That, that's why that makes sense. I, I was actually mm-hmm. in trades doing uh uncanny X-Force and, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men at the same time, which was just delicious. Like that's, that was getting both of my, mm-hmm. like I like murder Wolverine, but I like murder team team murder Wolverine. I think Wolverine's more fun with a cast. Yeah. He needs good people to work off of him as though like the Wolverine and hell stuff is really good. I don't think I've ever read that. 
Uh, so there's a mysterious group called, I believe, the Red Right Hand. And they're out to make Wolverine suffer. And they do it by, like, getting together this group of, like, mutants and, like, superheroes who they've hired and outfitted. And where it goes from there is wild. But I believe that is after Wolverine actually has his... Or no, it's before his soul actually gets sent to hell. Where he has to fight his dad <laughs> and his brother. And also Puck is there. Hi, Puck. Thanks for coming by. It's your boy, Puck. I have such a soft spot for Puck, especially seeing as how I've read precisely one series that he's in. And that was the short-lived Humphreys... Uh, uncanny x-force follow-up marvel now uncanny x-force that was a styling puck well now he's on the space boys alpha flight team man i i am so (laughs) removed from major comics right now no wolverine noir was the first oh yeah marvel or any comic i had read in uh, 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 uh months (laughs) <laughs> well, I've I've got this like increasing stack of new comics that I keep buying and paying for, and it's like, oh, I'd love to get to these, <laughs> but I have to read nine different series for Marvel Noir Month, the thing that nobody <laughs> asked for, especially yourself. Yeah, especially considering that like Devin is not around for most of these, but it, it's been good getting to uh, interact with like other people and see what it's like with different co-hosts and uh yeah so uh we have a question that we are asking all of the guest hosts that we have on right now are you ready wait yes what marvel character would you want to see as a noir character i am was so hesitant on the answer to this because it seems like a common thread in the Marvel noir stories is stripping away like the like supernatural or like powered aspects of it, except for, I guess the Spider-Man one and, but, uh, okay. And the Iron Man one, that that makes some sense. You can't really do Iron Man without that. Uh, so my first thought was like Moon Knight, but then I see someone very clumsily handling those classic Moon Knight, uh, mental illness themes and didn't want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it went to my next thought, which was taskmaster because you got sort of this man without a mm. face fixer that I feel could plug in very well to some like crime story. I don't see him as uh, like a detective cracking a case, but just someone who gets mixed up in something sort of thing. And that way you can still, they can have their little like, oh, they're not explicit superpowers cake and eat it too. Well, and I think you could do like a good twist on the whole alternate personalities thing where if he wakes up with like amnesia. And so who he begins acting as is not who he mm. actually is. Yeah, that would be good. And then you got to unravel the the tales of its past. And then I, w- I was also thinking of like a cult being involved and that's how you, you plug in Kanshu. The other one that I thought you might mention would be like a Ben Grimm noir. I 
very nearly did say a Ben Grimm noir because if there's and again I I was a little hesitant with the powers thing but like young Ben Grimm getting into trouble probably with the Yancey Street gang Mm -hmm. and just a (laughs) a big lug who won't give up is one of the best noir protagonists you can have that's pretty much my my thinking yeah and they they do take advantage of an wolverine noir it's you gotta beat him up and there was by the end of the thing he looks just gross his face is very bad looking um and that's certainly something you need to do with ben Grimm as well yeah but you know maybe you can have a happier ending at the end where it's like oh but this guy who I've come or but this guy from my past is here and he's going to help me. And maybe you can have that like transition into a more like heroic thing. Yeah. Uh, but that or a more like sci-fi thing. They're they're They just seem so. They, they really lean into the darkness <laughs> in implied in mm-hmm. the name noir. Like they just, can't help themselves and i don't want bad things to happen to ben Grimm. <laughs> although oh. another thing i thought of was runaways with like crime families and i guess still teen vigilantes which i don't yeah the noir universe doesn't seem friendly to teens but let's get them in there yeah, that would be a lot better than like the actual 1900s runaway story that they did. No, when did they do that? Uh, that was like the third series. Oh, man. I've read so little runaways. I think I only read up to the point it, where Cloak and Dagger show up. If you've only read the Brian K. Vaughn stuff, you're pretty good. Though I'm hearing really good stuff about the new stories. Yeah, I've I've heard the chatter. Yep. Uh, Well, where can people find you online? Uh, You can find my music at thefrooned.bandcamp.com. That's T-H-E-F-R-O-O-N-D dot bandcamp.com. And you can follow my Twitter at Froondingloom. That's F R O O. N-D-I-N-G underscore loom and uh, get some nice jokes and some regrettable posts. And some thirst for Noir Sabretooth. He's nice looking. (laughs) And I he's the only hunk. He's the only hunk they gave me. And Wolverine's supposed to be at least a little hunky. Or at least like Gruff Dad. Nothing. There's there was there was no meat on those bones. Still processing. <laughs> well, uh, Devin, my normal co-host, can be found on Twitter at, at @fredofet. That's F R E D D O F P T T, and I can be found on Twitter at at Coltreg. That's K O L T R E G or at Lukeher L E K E H E R R dot com, which I've not updated in ages. Um, but I probably should to get more comics up on there and more 
project updates. Uh, Multiversal Q. Oh, oh no, I was just going to ask what it was, what it would be like if we had online screen names that were just words that people knew how to spell and kind of imagine what a, a world that would be. Well, sometimes I feel really bad because there is a guy whose actual name is Cole K.O.L. Trigaskes, who's a photographer. And I come in out of nowhere using Coltrag everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You haven't got any offers meant for him, have you? And you didn't take them up on it. No, I mean, I, I'm pretty clear about I'm Luke, not Coltrag. You could try it out once. But yeah. Uh, also... Uh, Multiverse of Q is a weekly podcast, except when we post even more than one episode a week. Coming up later on this week, uh, well, the episode that also went up today is Daredevil Noir with James Alvarez, who is a professional wrestler. And coming up on Wednesday, we have Luke Cage Noir with Daryl Io, oh. which is also a very good episode. Excellent. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I can't wait to join the legions of, of listeners in those. Like right now I'm on the other end of it and I just, I can't wait to get on the other side of the, of the, the glass, the glass booth that people are watching me in. Yeah. There's no better way to spend your Valentine's day than listening to me and him talk about Luke Cage Noir. And, uh, you can also check out our spinoff podcast, Exiled, at exiledpodcast.com. And both Multiverse Q and Exiled are listener-sponsored. We have a Patreon, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get episodes of Exiled a week early, invites to special role-playing games I get, and when Devin and I are able to, we also do bonus content. We had a episode go up last week that we had recorded the week before, where we just talked about a bunch of movies we had seen recently which, considering its Oscar season, was quite a lot of movies. Uh, higher tiers get you other offers, and we've got some special print stuff coming out soon that's more tied to Exiled. And we should have some other good news coming soon as far as live shows. A live show? What? Hope you're coming to my town. Uh, oh. No, it's, it's going to be in... That, that makes yeah. way more sense for you given that you are in there hey if you can get me a show i would be happy to have you on as a guest but uh multiversalq.com is our website you can go there see the image gallery that we have uh see the notes see the list of trials of the multiverse which has a ridiculous number of universes on it now we're still not close to getting all of them to any degree, but we are going for it as we continue Marvel Noir, which is part of our long series of uh, Road to Edge of Spider-Verse, which became even more like long because there's now that Edge of Venomverse event that went on. <laughs> and it's like, what? Got your work cut out for you. I'm rolling that stone up for a long time. This is my punishment. And we are all in hell. 
thank you for listening. Uh, check back later on this week and then just keep on checking back because we are trucking with episodes. Tell your friends, like, rate, and review us. Check out all of the uh, guests that we have had on. And thank you for listening. Until next time, this one's for Hank. Hank.